0: All right, guys, welcome back to another episode of A Pinball Podcast. Thank you guys so much for being here, and we're going to get directly into it. This has been one crazy week, pretty much, for the pinball industry. It's just like everything, like pinball news is all coming together. We're just jam-packing everything at the end of the year, it feels like. And so right before I start recording this, uh, Led Zeppelin has been officially announced by Stern, and they actually, it's pretty interesting because they did a full-out social media assault with led zeppelin's official uh, socials so that's interesting because i'm curious to see exactly how people react to it that don't necessarily understand pinball or don't realize what pinball is and so i looked into it a little bit this morning and it's actually kind of funny because there's some people that are immediately demanding a live album <laughs> that's getting the most likes like on their instagram they're just like We wanted a live album from Jimmy Page and instead we get a pinball trailer. What is this? And so it cracks me up when we see these things come together, when you just see fans of a certain theme or rock band or whatever it could be that aren't even aware pinball exists. And then all of a sudden it's just thrown right into their face. Like here it is, this is pinball, deal with it. And then we get those types of responses from them. Even Facebook's kind of entertaining. There's some people that are just responding just with a question mark (laughs) just like what are we seeing right now what is this a trailer for so that's cracking me up right there but good on Stern for getting it out you know I I don't know what to expect from it we keep hearing that Steve Ritchie is the game designer I have to assume that that means oh uh, Timmy Sexton will be the coder as well since they were on Black Knight together But other than that, nothing has been officially confirmed to my knowledge as of the recording of this podcast. But I await seeing the final game trailer or the actual reveal of gameplay or whatever it could be. And what I'm really curious of is, is Stern going to adjust course a little bit in terms of how they really roll this out? Or are they just going to stay the course? I mean, I don't know if they necessarily need to change course, to be honest with you. I mean, yes, Guns N' Roses absolutely absolutely destroyed how they revealed their game. They they absolutely did. But facing facts too, you know, one of the things that I probably did not discuss too well when I was going over marketing with in terms of how Avengers came out and how that rolled out and what my opinions were on it based on my actual career history and work history. And, you know, one of the things to really consider with that is that when you're talking about different marketing aspects of it, right. And I'm not going to get too much into the weeds. Cause honestly, it's like, for what's going on right now this is probably going to be really boring. So I'll just keep this to 30 seconds. What it really means is, is there's different aspects of the marketing and different expertise in the marketing. And what Stern does really excellent at is their public re- relations. Like I have no doubt in my mind, obviously they utilize a PR, firm for everything and Zach Sharp really understands that part of it like you can see it because they get everything out press releases they get into certain events they do all that and so because they're so good at that do they really need to be great at how they reveal a game because they already have the top tier uh company they're already the biggest company so at the end of the day you know they're going to sell their games I think they're going to sell their games regardless of what they do they could probably not even do anything for us in the pinball crowd, besides just show a trailer and it would be fine. I mean, it's obviously they might drop a sell or two either way, but at the end of the day, they're just, they're such a monster on a global scale in terms of pinball global scale. Although obviously we got the uh, tax from the EU happening right now, but you guys know what I'm talking about. So, you know, essentially, I think that they can pretty much just, they, they're still the Kings pinball and they're still the Kings of pinball manufacturing, obviously. And we'll touch base a little bit about that with Raza here in just a few, but I really, I really do think that I, what they do is pretty good right now. And of course, things could always get better. I'm sure they always want to get better and I'm sure they're always analyzing it more than everybody else. Cause obviously they're the ones putting out the product, but I think what they do is pretty excellent now. And I think what, of course, what Jersey Jack did was really excellent. And you know, maybe it's two different ways they got to do, several different things of marketing, of course, according to what their market share already is. And so, you know, we'll we'll see how it goes. And I'm curious to see how they roll out everything from here. I, I'm really curious to see how Led Zeppelin is. Now, I'm personally not expecting it to be anything near what Guns N' Roses is in terms of just looking at the pen and seeing what all it does. Like, I, I don't think it's going to be anywhere near. And, The reason for that is it's not necessarily because that means that the designer is just terrible or the ideas are terrible. It just means that it's two different platforms. You know, I mean, it's still pinball, but it's kind of one of those things that you're always going to, of course, you're always going to be compared to each other, but it's also two different versions of what pinball should be. And it's obviously too late in the game for Stern to change anything according to what Guns N' Roses would do. And I know some people have brought that up, but in my opinion, they wouldn't change anything anyways, because it's not broken. What they do, it's not broken. They sell out of LE still. They sell tons of games. They are backed up by thousands of product, by thousands of units. So it's kind of like one of those things that you don't have to do anything that makes something just massively better. You could easily just incrementally make subtle changes. And there's just, uh, to me, there's no reason to go away from what the bread and butter is of a designer. I don't think that, of course, if it is Steve Ritchie, they don't have to do anything crazy with that. Just make a Steve Ritchie pen. That's fun to play and it'll sell. It doesn't have to be Guns N' Roses with all the lights, with all this, with all that. Because Ritchie, he has done so many games, you just, have to make it fun and it has to feel like the stern experience that you feel in that. And I think people will appreciate that. So speaking of stern experience, you guys like that segue, we're moving ahead to the deep root experience. Now, again, I don't want to harp too long on this because I've made so much content on it this week. Legitimately, I think I did three videos on it and I'm doing this podcast right now. And you know, it, I'm trying to cover as much as I can without getting too much in the weeds because there's so much information dealing with deep root. There's so much, and yet we it's, it's so weird because we know so much now, more so than probably any other company there is, yet for the number one thing that we're all wondering, we don't know, which is manufacturing. How is their manufacturing chain actually gonna work? Does it actually exist? now? I have to give them the benefit of the doubt and assume it does exist simply because that they're taking pre-order money. Now, I know Robert on a podcast, I I believe is the Pinball News Podcast. Again, I don't have my notes with me, so I hope I'm getting this right. But I know that he stated on there that he was basically saying that they're not gonna refer to it as pre-orders. But I mean, let's let's call it what it is. It's a pre-order where consumers are handing off money you know, in exchange for you saying that I will build this product and ship it to you at a, to be determined time or a certain time. And so I'm just going to go ahead and just call it a pre-order. Let's call it what it is now. What's really interesting about that. And this is why I have to assume that they figured out their manufacturing. They said on on the same podcast that essentially that I I believe the wording was, is that Robert said something about four to six weeks from when they started taking orders. That it would be, yeah, it would be four to six weeks after they started taking orders is what it was. I think that's what the quote was. and so what I was trying to figure out is, does that mean from December eighth because that's when they started taking orders, and so i that's the assumption I'm making because I didn't hear four to six weeks after the order uh, area closes, like after that time frame closes, after that window closes from december December eighth to December thirtieth. so that probably means then, I, I believe it's like January 5th through the 19th would be that time frame. Now, obviously, if it's the end of the 30th of uh, December, then that time frame is going to go a little bit further out, meaning it's going to be February to mid February. That's when games should start rolling out. And so we have a concrete time frame now. I mean, it's there. And it's kind of scary. Like I'm scared for them. And one of the big reasons for that is, is Deep Root has a history of putting these artificial timeframes on themselves. Like they put this constraint on themselves and they miss it consistently. And so it's just, it's one of those weird things that I've seen that history play out over and over again, as we all have. And now we're seeing it kind of happen again right now in terms of having a Time frame, a window time frame of when this is going to happen. But kudos to them. They're saying, Hey, we're gonna take your money now. We're going to build something, and here's a time frame it's going to be out. At least they're being transparent about that. And so I have to take them at their word for it. We I haven't seen pictures of it, nobody else has seen pictures of it. The deep six, who is like the Avengers apparently of Pinball, they all went there and saw it. NDA is over for them, but I haven't really heard anybody really go in depth describing what they've seen, at least on a public level. And I'm curious to see if that happens, but another way that I feel like somebody could probably figure out exactly what is going on with their manufacturing in terms of actually seeing it is if somebody utilizes their program to homebrew the game or to take their homebrew and get it actually manufactured. And I feel like if a homebrewer comes to them and says, Hey, I'm interested in this. How are you going to manufacture this? What is the process? I need to see it. I figured that that would probably happen. And for those wondering what the heck I'm talking about, there actually is a part on the website on deeprootpinball.com that gives homebrewers an opportunity to work with DeepRoot. And that's kind of curious as well. Again, my thoughts are all over the place. I'm just flowing here, just, just free flowing. I'm curious about that as well, because it feels like you know, the one thing about pinball, manufacturing is hard. That's gotta be the hardest thing about pinball, just simply manufacturing to scale. We've seen Jersey Jack struggle to do that, and they're the second biggest producer, and they have a massive hit on their hands. It's difficult. We've seen Stern get behind, even though they are probably just busting at the seams right now. And what I'm thinking of is that if DeepRoot is trying to get homebrewed games, and these homebrew designers to send games to them or get ideas and start working together. I have to think that how would that really affect the line overall at, at Deep Root? Because it's already difficult enough that they're going to have to start from scratch. And they're hoping to scale up by 3,000 or 4,000%. We're talking from 0 to 30 games or 0 to 40 games. I mean, it's it's a jump. It really is. It doesn't sound like much but it is a jump, especially when you consider somebody like Spooky Pinball, right? Who's one of the smaller pinball companies around, yet they do get games out, but obviously it's not that much, but they do get the games out. So I'm curious to see how Deep Root will do this. If they do something like a homebrew, wouldn't that pretty much interfere with every title that they have? And speaking of titles, what really caught my ear in this all, what really caught my ear is that they confirmed that Raza will not be sold after December 30th. Okay. It won't be sold. Even if it's doing great, even if it's doing well, it's not going to be sold anymore. You have to order it in this window of December 8th to December 30th. And they gave the reason for that. Jeff Teolis asked them straight up to the extent like, why would you not go ahead and keep selling it? If somebody wants it afterwards and it's doing well, why not? And the answer back to it was, well, we have 20 other titles ready to go. And that really floored me to be honest with you with that answer. And it's not that they're saying, Hey, we got 20 titles ready to go. I, you know, I can totally believe that one, because obviously a lot of them are original IPs that they're just coming up with themselves and only less than a handful or even licensed that we're aware of because of the who and the Goonies that they've officially basically said that they have. And, you know, we have to take, we have to assume, Stern is well aware of what all their license is for the next three or four years that they have coming out. So I, you know, I give deep root the benefit of the doubt that they do know what all these games are. What I'm confused on is, is if this is your number one product coming out, if this is your rookie release, if this is the one that you got coming out of the gate and it's showing signs of being successful, why are you going to shut that down? in an effort to go to the next game, which is gonna be Food Truck, they confirm that. Why would you shut that down to go to the next game that's not proven? You're a brand new business essentially in terms of actually getting this product to the consumer. Of course, you've been around for years, but you're finally earning revenue. Why would you cut off your revenue stream if it's coming in? That's what, that's what I don't understand. And I have to come to a couple of conclusions and I'm the one coming to this conclusion just based off the information that we have And the conclusions that I come to is this means one of two things. It either means no matter what they price Raza at, it is losing money. No matter what, even if you buy all the bells and whistles have to assume it's not earning money back because if it was, why would you shut that off? Because it doesn't matter what it sells. The third party market it doesn't matter what it sells for used, it doesn't matter if the value of it goes up there because they're doing DLC, they're talking about subscriptions. Why would you not want people to have as many Razas as you can possibly put out? So, the fact that they're ending that at that time frame doesn't tell me that they're eager to get rid of Raza and be done with it just to jump to food truck. I mean, that's all we've heard about is Raza, that's all we've seen at shows is Raza. But that's it. And so I, I don't believe that they they are eager. They're so, you know, fired up about food truck that they're just throwing Raza and just being done with it. Now, obviously I think that they are just putting Raza out there and they're ready to move on because it's simply losing money. And so the, you know, and that was the second part to it is, you know, if they're not, if they're so ready to move on that quickly also, it tells me that, it is highly likely that their manufacturing line is not capable of handling multiple products at the same time or multiple themes at the same time or multiple versions of different of different pens that aren't the same. You know, you know what I'm saying? I, I don't think that they could put out Raza and Food Truck at the same time is what I'm trying to say. And so when you say that we have 20 other titles ready to go, that means you have to really pump these out and work down the line. The thing is, is that they already know that they're taking three or four months for each game. And so it, it, does that mean that that's going to be the normal thing? The other questions I have, that I, I haven't had answered right now, or I haven't found the answer. Maybe it's out there. If the answer is out there, please put this down in the comments below or just email me, whatever, or just shout it out at your phone. And maybe I might actually hear you for whatever reason. I'm wondering is every game, since they said that they weren't going to take pre-order or deposits or whatever it is, does this mean that every game that comes out from now on, is this the norm? Non-refundable deposits? Is that the norm? Or is that just it for Raza because it's a one-off? Like, like, Do we have to, every single time, do the song and dance with every game for them to figure out what the actual demand is for this product? And so therefore, they'll know how many parts they need to order to actually complete the game? Because this it just it feels like a system in which they want to put out so much yet. It's so inefficient at the front, you know, it's just, it feels like there's just a lot. And that segues myself into, you know, I, like we said it before, there's so much going on with this deep root platform that, you know, I, I fear sometimes I wonder how much they're actually focused on the one thing on the priority to get through. It sometimes makes me wonder, but at the same time, ideas are great. It's great to be ambitious because at least if you're ambitious, you're going to push through and you're going to have some breakthroughs innovative wise, you know, wise, uh, design wise, coding wise, whatever it could be. Yeah, obviously that is, you have to, you have to reach a little bit for that. I'm just hoping that they at least have their focus and their priorities all go in the right direction. Cause it seems like with all these different titles, all these different designs, all these other things going on there's so much other noise you know like take the narratives for example we've heard narratives talked about so much and i for one would absolutely love a pen that's like an rpg pen or something like that to where it is a big narrative to where you have to collect things to where you have to build things to where you have to craft things that would be cool to me it would be i don't know if it'd be a big seller i don't know if a lot of people would enjoy that. I mean, hell, there's a lot of people that go to arcades and they don't even know where to find the start button on these pens. So I don't know how much they really want to go into depth with something like that. And that leads me back to, it's really curious how they're spending, obviously, and they've touted this, they're spending so much time crafting these narratives behind everything. And I'm just like, I don't know, for me, it feels like it's a little too much. For instance, when I look at Stern and I see Avengers, if you go to their PDF for Avengers Infinity Quest rule set, you'll see it's legitimately just five or six lines explaining what the story of the pen is. And to me, that's all you need. And then just have your pen do the talking. But I, you know, I don't know. And from the videos that we've seen of Raza, I don't feel like it really explains a narrative, like a really deep narrative. I feel like that this is almost something that could be explained or somebody could come up with just in one morning. You know, it's just based on what's in the pen. Now I'm not saying you're not gonna make all this other lore kind of like Destiny is on video games with uh, Bungie's where there's all this other lore you could just absolutely explore in hours and hours and hours of information. But how do you get hours and hours of information into a pen and actually give that same information to the player? And I don't think it's possible because we don't have, unless you're just, you know, outstandingly good, you're not playing a pinball game that lasts forever. It doesn't last a long time, unless the code is designed for that. I mean, and I don't know if that's gonna happen. I don't know if that, maybe that's part of their DLC idea in the future. Maybe they're looking at just making it to where you don't have, you might have ball saves, you might have lives that are like the ball, but maybe you just go like 10, 10 ball lives or something like that, and you just try to play through a story. I'm not sure how you do that, but I'm just really curious. And I'm hoping that it's not too much of an overreach to really focus too much on narrative and on lore instead of just gameplay mechanics and coding and rule sets. And that's, you know, that's another thing. It's just, there's so much going into this pen and, you know, harking back on the rule sets, I really did enjoy Bowden's video that they showed that's this is the type of video that I think, all pinball companies should do. I think you should always get either your designer or your rule set person right there. If your designer is a player like Elwin, let them play. Like oh, that's perfectly fine. Even if your designer and your coder aren't great players, find a great player to come in to be able to show different things and explain what is happening. That was excellent. I love that. I was not lost at all. You know, and I enjoyed seeing Bowden's enthusiasm. Obviously he's digging it, obviously he's into it. My only two big critiques of it is just, obviously we had a hard time seeing the pin bar because of the hat. That was kind of funny a little bit, but you know, there's other information you could find on the pin bar. But my only other thing is, is just make sure in the future for anybody that's looking at streaming pinball, make sure you're in 60 frames per second. I discovered that the hard way early on because I forgot to do that. And I was in 30 frames per second and that ball, it just doesn't look right. When you do 30 frames per second, it just, it doesn't work for something that's in motion that quickly. So 60 frames per second, that'll fix it up. Other than that, that video was excellent. If you haven't seen it yet, I highly encourage you to go to their YouTube channel. It's up on there or or it's even on their website, I believe somewhere on there, but you know, that's pretty much going to wrap it up in terms of me talking about Deep Root and talking about Raza for now. I might have a video coming out later next week. Just going over everything together but i don't know if it's even necessary because so many people are talking about it already and it's just information overload at the moment and there's other things that i feel like talking about as well and like i said if you guys are listening to this and you also are on the youtube channel you probably notice i'm doing things a little bit different right now in terms of doing commentary along with it and i have plans for that my basic plans are is that i want to do commentary in a sense that is a way that people can just watch real quick and can get the information that might not necessarily follow the news all the time and i want to try to give it my own little spin and my own little uh my own little uh what am i trying to say just my own little spin i'll just leave it at that and so from there my plans are just to take those videos from youtube and even if you don't watch them on there i'll just upload the audio back onto my podcatcher here and that way anybody that wants to listen to it can that seems like an easy way just to keep the uh, keep the information flowing, keep the content flowing. And I also, I personally, I want to dabble a little bit more into gaming and into pop culture news. And so you'll see me doing that as well if you haven't already. And that being said, one of the things that I was talking about on there a lot is the possible end of pinball streaming. And, you know, I got a couple of messages about it, people wondering what is going on exactly. And what it really amounts to right now, guys, is that, If you haven't seen those videos yet, what's happening is on, for Twitch and any other content creators that are out there on streaming platforms, there's a a distinct possibility that live strike DMCA's are going to come out. And I don't want to bore you guys too much. It basically just means that if you're playing copyrighted content, such as music in the background, or even on your stream at any point, there's a chance that it will be muted, obviously. And not only will it be muted, your channel will have a strike against it in which that platform will issue. And if you get too many, well, you're done and you're removed from it. And these strikes are a result of an outside party of uh, the RIAA and the, I believe it's the NMPA off the top of my head, which is basically the uh, music industry. Let's just put it that way. Let's keep it simple. And the music industry wants what's theirs and they're coming after Twitch hard poor. And we've seen this kind of play out a little bit. If you guys watch pinball and Twitch at all, any Twitch streamers, whether it's deadflip, Lose, uh Carl with IE Pinball. I mean, there's so many different ones. So if I left you off, apologies. But essentially you might notice if you look back on some of their VODs, if they keep VODs up, you might see some of them have parts that are muted. And you know, it's really, it's an interesting thing that's gonna happen in terms of these certain companies or third-party companies coming after the content. And it's not necessarily stern reporting it or anything like that but that does lend a thing that it's you know it it's going to affect things and i'm curious to see how that plays out how is that going to affect how modern pins are streamed and i think obviously if live strike dmcas show up or you know it's done like that's it a lot of modern pins have so many sounds and so much music from that are that's copyrighted that stern is acquiring a license from and If they're, if it's copyrighted, you're just, you're done. That's just, it's, it sucks, but that's just the way it is. And what really stinks about that, you know, it's not like you're just playing music in the background, you know, in that case, that's directly from the game. Now, of course, if you're just playing music in the background, which some people do, and I watch some of the streams, I enjoy it. Yeah, those are pretty much going to be done very soon. And then another blow that came to streamers. I just posted up this video just yesterday was the fact that they are actually putting a bill into the whole COVID package that's coming out, uh, the relief package from uh, from our government pretty soon that they're voting on. There's another bill in there that essentially makes it a felony to stream copyrighted content, which that doesn't mean that all of a sudden all pinball people are criminals, but what it does mean is, is they're gonna crack down a lot on video assets, which has been a huge you know debate in the pinball industry, whether or not a pin needs video assets or not. And they're going to crack down a lot again on the sound. And this is all, this is all basically coming back down on Amazon, on Twitch. This is going to come back on the end user on us as consumers or us as content creators. And I hope they get it all figured out because this kind of sucks. I think there's a big difference between somebody that's actually creating content such as like, to me, if dead flip is playing a game, he's creating content. He should not be, have any type of DMCA strike because of music coming from the game or a, you know, a video clip from the game that should not be happening. That's creating content. I think people like that should be left alone. And I hope that there's a, they, you know, they get the difference of that compared to say, if I'm sitting here and I'm talking to you, and then I just have Avengers Endgame game, just playing like right here in this spot. And I just leave it going the whole time. That that's a big difference right there, you know? And so if somebody's creating content, I think they should be left alone. I hope, this all gets sorted out. If not, it's gonna be weird. It's gonna be weird for pinball because that means that there's a lot of changes that would have to be made. I'm not sure how YouTube would react to it because they dealt with their same thing about eight years ago, but I imagine tournaments for sure would have to move from Twitch to YouTube. And you know, I've talked to a lot of different streamers before and I'm of the mindset, if you are gonna start pinball streaming, you're thinking about it, I would start on YouTube. Like for me, I'm partnered on Twitch but I barely ever stream there anymore. And I'm pretty much dead set on moving over to YouTube gaming. I've been talking back and forth with Twitch about that, about figuring out what I'm gonna do about my partnership there, because I definitely, I don't wanna violate it, but I also am thinking about just getting let go from it so I can go over to YouTube gaming. Cause as it is right now, since I am a Twitch partner, I legally cannot stream a game on YouTube. I can stay here and stream live talking, I can do that. But other than that, Twitch has the rights to all my content, all my live game content for 24 hours before I can even put it over. So if I streamed, like literally, if you're a partner and you stream, say from 9 p.m. until 12 a.m., you can't put that stream on YouTube until midnight the next day. That's the way it goes. If If I turn around and I put it up there, by 6 a.m. the next morning, I'm actually violating my contract with Twitch. And so it's just, it's just this big, weird thing, but hopefully it all gets sorted out because that would really stink. But I'm going to finish it up right there, guys. I will have a video coming out pretty soon. We're going to talk about what uh, Gary Stern's comments about modifications on pinball machines and what that really means. And again, he even pointed out in that, that when you take music, it's, you know, it's bad without a license. And that again, comes back to all the pinball stuff, But Take a breath and we're about done right there. Thank you guys so much for making it to the end of this podcast. If you're here, you are awesome. And that's all I got.